This is the Westbrook Community Church Sermon Series. Sunday, November 12, 2023. Gentle and lowly, Christ's intercession. Pastor Kevin tells us about Christ's loyal vigilance. My name is Kevin Sharp. I'm the pastor here. And if you're with us online, we'd like to greet you as well. And uh, thank you for, for being here. So as we start uh, this message, I, I just wanted to ask you, who do you pray for most often? I mean, who is it that, that you intercede for, that, that you go to God, that you ask him to bless them, to encourage them, to build them up? Who is it that you pray for most often? I mean, is it like our country and President Biden and the members of Congress and the Supreme Court? I mean, the Bible tells us that we're to pray for our leaders and for those who are in authority. But probably the majority of our prayers aren't geared that way. What about world events? What about the war in Ukraine? Or what's happening in Israel? Or what's happening around the world because of what's happening in Israel? I mean, I know that I've been praying more about the war in Ukraine because we've connected with an old friend, reconnected with an old friend, Sergei Gutz, who's a pastor in Kiev, and, and I just kind of have a special, a personal connection. I've been praying more about that. But really, that probably doesn't consume the, the majority of our prayers. What do you pray for the most? Well, my contention is that you pray the most about what's on your heart and who's on your heart. You pray the most about those people that are closest to you. A spouse, children, relatives. You you pray most about those issues that are closest to your heart. Job, finances, future. Those are what you're interceding about the most. It's what's on your heart. And and you know what? Jesus is the same way. Jesus is praying for what's closest to his heart. Jesus is, is interceding for that which is closest to his heart. And you know what that is? That's you. That's me. The Bible in the New Testament in a couple ways says that Jesus is interceding for us. And it might be a new concept for you. I think a lot of us think that Jesus came to earth. He taught. He showed us who God was. He ultimately got arrested and and died for us and rose again. And we think that that was his work. And now he's up in heaven and he's just grabbed the remote and found an easy chair and is just taking it easy now. But but that's not what the New Testament says. The New Testament 
says that right now his work is to intercede for us. In Hebrews 7, 25, it talks about Jesus' permanent high priestly role. And then it says this. It says, therefore, because he's a high priest, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. That's Jesus' job right now. He's interceding for us. He's involved in intercessory prayer for us. And you say, well, what is intercessory prayer? What does that even mean? Well, in general terms, intercession is when one person speaks to another person on behalf of another person. Okay? So it's like a parent would go to a teacher and intercede for her child or his child toward the teacher. Or maybe a sports agent would go to the franchise about the player. He's interceding for that player. And in terms of our faith, intercession means that we bring other people to God and we pray for them. And these passages in the New Testament say that God is interceding for us. That Jesus' job now, after his death and his resurrection, after his ascent to heaven, his job right now is to pray for that, what's on his heart. And you know what's on his heart? It's you and it's me. He's praying for us. And do you realize that you were actually mentioned in the Bible? People don't realize this. But you were actually referred to in the Bible. In John 17, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer. And in that prayer, if you go to it in John 17, look it up. Jesus is praying. And he prays for his disciples. But he says, I not only pray for them, but I pray for all who will believe because of their work. And we're all who believe because of what they did. So it's kind of cool that, that we're mentioned in there. And we're mentioned in the context that Jesus is praying for us. And that's what he's doing. And so we got to ask ourselves, why is he doing that? Why is he interceding about us to the Father. What's that all about? What's he doing? Well, first, Jesus is interceding for us to help us know and embrace that he's for us. That he's for us. Look at Romans 8, 31 and 34. Now, now the passage in Romans 8 a great passage he talks about living by the spirit and how we can walk in a way that the spirit guides and directs us and it talks about how God's known us and chose us before the foundation of the world and that we're his and then in Romans eight thirty one, Paul's kind of wrapping up the passage 
And he says, what then shall we say in response to all these things? And he says, if God is for us, who could be against us? He who didn't spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Then the next Verse that says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? If God, it's God who justifies, who's the one who condemns? No one. No one condemns. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And he's also interceding for us. He's praying for us. And the first thing he's praying for us is that we would know that God the Father is for us. That passage says, if God's for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare us on some, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? It's like Paul saying, hey guys, God's all in, okay? He did the ultimate thing by giving us his son. So everything else will just be kind of icing on the cake. Everything else We'll follow along because he already did the ultimate. He gave us his son. So Jesus is praying and interceding for us so that we would know that. So that we'd live in light of that fact. That God's for us. That he's with us. That nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. That's what he's interceding for us. And you think, well, if Jesus is interceding for us, is he interceding for us because the Father's not really sure about us? Not really uh, committed to us? He's a little lukewarm toward us? And no, that's not the case. That's not the case at all. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit agreed from foundations of the world that that Jesus would come and would die and be resurrected it's Jesus isn't interceding for us because the father's kind of lukewarm for us now they agree on this it's not so much that Jesus is praying because the father's lukewarm it's that Jesus is so on fire for us he's so excited about us He loves us so much. We're on his heart. And he's praying. It's not the fact that the father's kind of tempted toward us. But it's all about that Jesus is so warm and so on fire for us. That he's interceding for us. So that we would know that he's for us, that he's with us. And he's interceding for us around that fact. Because it's easy for us to not believe that. It's easy for us when difficulties come, when pain, when hurt, when affliction, when things don't go our way. It's easy for us to say, God, don't you care? Aren't you with me? Aren't you on my side? It's easy for us to throw up our hands and say, obviously, God doesn't care about us. Because if he did, this wouldn't be happening. 
But in spite of all that, Jesus said, no, no, no. The proof that I'm with you is not your current situation. The proof that I'm with you is the fact that I came and died for you. And that the Father didn't spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's the proof that I'm with you. And he's praying that we would embrace that. That that we would know that. That no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what pain, what heartache, what hurt, God's for you. God's with you in that. And we need to live in light of that. That's what he's praying for us. That we would know that and experience it and walk with him. But he's not only praying that. He's also praying that we would apply what he's done for us. That that we would apply the fact that, that we're loved, that we're forgiven, that we're in a relationship with him. So look what it says in Romans 8, 33 and 34. It says, but who can bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. See, he's praying for us that we would know that God justified us. That from God, there's no condemnation. When we feel condemnation, that comes from inside of us or it comes from outside of us. But it doesn't come from God. He said there's no condemnation. And he says God's justified us. And this idea of justification is central to Christianity. And it says that we're justified before God. We're made right before God based solely on what Jesus did for us. That his death and his resurrection makes us right with God as we put our faith and our trust in that. And that's the doctrine of justification. That we're justified before God. We're made right with God. In the divine heavenly court of kingdom, in God's kingdom, we're declared not guilty. We're completely exonerated. Not because of anything that we did, but simply because of of Jesus' work on the cross. And Jesus is praying for us that we get that, that we'd understand it, that we'd apply it to our lives. That's what he's praying for us. That, That we would understand that we're justified solely by what he did. And, and we're continuing our, our series around this book called Gentle and Lowly. And it, it's a great book. And, and there's a chapter in there about God praying for us. It's called The Utmost. 
it's really a, a cool chapter. And Ortland, the author, talks about this idea of justification and this concept that we're justified by faith, which is a central tenet of the Christian faith. And look what he says about this. I love this. He says, it is the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we're justified by faith. That we're declared right with God, not once we begin to get our act together, but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will. Isn't that a great quote? Well, we need to honestly acknowledge that we'll never get our act together enough for God to justify us. And we don't have to because he's justified us by faith in Christ. And that's what this is about. And Jesus is praying that we'd understand that, that we'd apply that to our lives, that we would live in light of the fact that we're forgiven. His grace is sufficient that covers our sin, and we can walk in that truth. Because what we tend to do is actually believe that, yeah, yeah, Christ died for me, I get that. But I still have to earn that right. I still have an index of good deeds. And I have to measure up to that. I still have this checklist that I have to go through. And we keep thinking that we do that. And when we're moving through the checklist, we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And we think God likes us better. Because we're doing those things. And then when we're not doing those things, we think that, that Jesus is really just disappointed with us. And he just kind of shakes his head in disgust and says, why can't you do that better? Well, you see, Jesus is praying that we would see that both those thoughts are wrong. That it's not about our efforts. It's not about earning our way to God. It's about what he's done for us. We're forgiven. We're made right. Because of his work. And we can embrace that. And live in light of it. It's not about earning or working. Or saying our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. But it's about receiving his grace and his forgiveness. And that's what he's praying for us. That we would know that and we would understand that. I think another reason he's praying that, that, that we would apply what he's done for us. Is that we tend to cognitively say, oh yeah, all, all my sins are forgiven. I'm excited because he's forgiven all my sins. But when we're really honest with ourselves, when we really look deeply in our lives, will we see those dark, hidden places? <laughs> uh, all right. There's Chase. <laughs> uh, and, and we see 
those dark hidden places in our lives. And we see that, that as we look at those, and as we see the, the darkness, as we see the depravity, as we see those places that we're most ashamed of, we really have a hard time believing that's Jesus grace and forgiveness could cover those as well. Although we say honestly, oh yeah, Christ forgives all our sins. But we still have some pockets in our lives that, that we don't believe that Christ could actually forgive those areas. And yet Jesus is praying for us that we would apply his work to our life even in those dark areas, even in those areas that that we struggle with, that we don't want anybody to know about, and that we continue to fail in. There's a woman that that came to our our prayer and restoration night uh, a couple years ago, ones we're doing uh, again on Tuesday, and this Tuesday and she came and she told us that she struggled with anxiety and it was really debilitating to her and she prayed about a lot and she just couldn't seem to get over it she'd even memorized verses about anxiety about trusting God about the peace of God and she said that didn't even help and that evening a group of people got around her and prayed with her, prayed for her, prayed that, that God would break that, that stronghold in her life and that she could experience his forgiveness and his freedom. And it didn't happen overnight, but, but over the course of a couple months, she came back and received more intercessory prayer. And over the course of time, that, that, that stronghold was broken. Not cognitively, but because the Holy Spirit intervened. And because she understood that even in those dark places, Jesus' grace is sufficient. And it was through that intercessory prayer that that, that stronghold was broken. And that's what Jesus is praying for. Us, that, that we would apply his grace and his goodness and his work to every area and phase of our life. Because he wants to do that. Because we're on his heart. We're on his heart. So he's praying that, that, that we would know that God's for us, that nothing can separate us from his love. And second, he's praying that, that we would apply what his work has done, that, that we would know and understand that, that we're justified before him based on his work. And lastly, he's praying for us. To help us know 
that will be secure in the future. That, that our security in the future with him is secured. I think sometimes we feel like we, we come to faith in Christ, we put our trust in him, we have this moment and this experience and we feel close. And then sometimes we feel like Jesus says, okay, glad you did that. I hope everything goes well. You know, we'll see you at the end of your life. And that's not how Jesus works at all. He's with us. He's for us. He's praying for us. He's there to support us, to lift us up, to carry us. He wants to see this thing through with us. He wants us to know that, that our future is secured. And everything in between. He's with us. He's there for us. And, and he's praying that, that we would know that. That we would embrace it. That, that we would turn to him. In those dark moments, in those moments of sin, in those moments of pain, those moments of confusion, he's praying that, that we would go to him. That we would know he's right beside us. That we would know our future secured. There's nothing that's going to happen to us that he's going to be surprised about that he's going to be caught off guard about, that he's not going to be there with us. That's his heart. And we're on his heart. And he's praying for us. I mean, think of of the wonder of that. That Jesus is actually praying for us right now. I mean, imagine you were in a, a room and, and you heard Jesus praying for you in the next room. What would that do for you? I, mean, I think it would be the most comforting, uplifting the thing that we could imagine. But it's true. He's there. To pray for you. In that Hebrews 7.24. It says therefore he's able to save completely. Those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives. To intercede for them. It's a process. And he's living in this process. To intercede for us. Because he's able to save completely. Another translation says, to the utmost, those who come to God through him. You see, that's his heart. And he's praying for us. And so my question to you is, what do you think God's praying for you right now? What do you think Jesus is interceding for you right now. Is he praying for perseverance? Is he praying 
for encouragement? Is, is he praying that we would understand and embrace our relationship with him? What is Jesus praying for you right now? Do you have any thoughts? Because the truth is, you're on his heart. And he's praying for those people that are on his heart. We're going to move in to a, a time of communion right now. And we're going to take just uh, some moments of silence. And as the band comes up, well, we're going to just take some silent prayer to prepare ourselves for communion. But, but in this silent time, I want you to ask, Jesus, Jesus, what are you praying for me about? What is it that you're interceding for me about? And I want you to ask that and then listen to the answer. Because I believe the Holy Spirit will show you what he's praying about for you. So let's take a time and a moment just of quiet prayer and ask Jesus what he's praying for you about. Let's pray together.